Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Write or Die show. I'm your host, Randy Lee Boslaw. On today's episode, I am talking to Christina Mata. Welcome, Christina. Excited to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. And so just so everybody knows, because I feel so special, Christina said that she's never done anything like this before. So I'm very happy that I get to be the first one to do it with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so excited. So first, just tell us about yourself. So my name is Christina Mata. Um, I'm an author of Young Adult Mysteries. My second book will be coming out probably in January. I was kind of hoping for the holidays, but January, everybody will have a little more time to read. Um, I also have a nonfiction book based on uh, my experience in the earthquake. Uh, I love dogs. I want a dog. My um, black lab passed away last year. And um, I love dancing, Latin dancing. Awesome. I have a black lab. I love black labs. I will, my heart will break when he dies. So oh, I try not to think about it. Yeah. 2020 was a bad year in many ways. Very yeah. Cause you said last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was 2020. Mm -hmm. yeah. 2020 wasn't, you know, that, that's the year in history. People will just pretend didn't race. exist. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. just didn't happen. Nope. Um, so you were in an earthquake. Where were you when this happened? So I was in Peru, South America. My ex-husband is Peruvian. I went there every year for a long, long time. And we were in a tiny little town. And all of a sudden the lights went out and just disaster happened. It was an 8.1. And the the um epicenter was like 30 miles from us. So it was very, very scary. Wow. So what was, okay, take me through this. What happened first? Like what, what were you doing before it struck? Okay, so was sitting in uh, my husband's aunt's house and we were just talking, everybody was talking. Um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of boring. But no, but like, you, you, you have to picture this, right? You're like, you're just living your life. You're just chatting with family, like nothing's yeah. the matter. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I mean, just really no warning whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and then everybody disappeared. And I was like, I was with my mother-in-law. We're just like there wondering what the heck is going on. I had never been in any kind of tremor, earthquake, nothing before. So I had no idea what was happening. So, um, but I mean, I, I can tell you like 10 different ways that I escaped death that day. We were really supposed to be going directly to the hotel Oh. Um, but my husband was like, oh, let's stop and see my aunt first. The hotel collapsed completely. Wow. It's a good thing you didn't, you weren't there. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of believing now after that, that was in 2007. So it's been a while. Yeah. But I, I do believe when it's your time, it's your time. Cause it wasn't my time. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? So many people, we, myself included, right. We get frustrated when things don't go the way we think they're going to go oh we hit every red light the line in the store is so stinking long um oh the the phone call went longer than I thought it was going to and we don't think about how if we say if we would have missed the red lights got all green lights then maybe there was an, we would have been in an accident like you don't know but I'm just saying like you don't have to be frustrated at, at those little things because maybe they were put there for a reason that, that absolutely put in your way and it's really funny you say that because I do think of those things 
all the time. And maybe it's because I went through the earthquake and things ha happen in a certain way. But yeah, you are right. Most most of us do, yeah, get frustrated very easily at, at, at things that maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I always say, so I used to be, I used to feel horrible about like losing it when things didn't go the way that I thought they were going to go. Um, and now though, after many years of raising my kid and having meltdowns and not being able to predict pretty much anything. <laughs> um, now if something minor happens, so I'll give you an example because this happened like, I guess a month ago now. Oh my gosh, how are we into the middle of November? All right, so. No, time has flown. Yes. A month ago, um, we went to the movies. So myself, my mom, my godmother, and my kid, y'all went to the movies. We saw the new Halloween movie. And we came out and my godmother was, battery and her car had died and I look at my mom I used to be just like her and she's coming back from from the car crying going oh I'm so stupid I'm so stupid how could I do that because she left the lights on um because in her car you don't have to actually turn the lights off and I'm like yeah I probably wouldn't have turned them off either um so she's crying she's calling herself so stupid and I'm like no it's you know it was an accident not a big deal and I'm like I used to like that's how I would have been before um, and then my godmother starts going, oh, my car and blah, 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 explicit, explicit. Um, <laughs> and my kid and I were both like, I was so proud of him. He took a hold of that situation. He called my husband because he's a mechanic. And he's like, dad, can, do you have jumper cables? We didn't. <laughs> but uh, you know, can you fix it or whatever? So he's working on that. And I just said to my, I said to my mom, my godmother, I go, well, nobody's dead. So, you know, this is not really a big deal. Nobody's dead. Nobody's on their way to the hospital. The cops aren't involved. Like, I don't know. We watched a good movie. It sucks. I'm not going to deny that this sucks. Yes, a lot. yes. But it's really not that big of a deal. It's a great thing to get to that point where you can do that. Yeah. yeah. It took me a long time because I used to be just like my mom. I'm so stupid. How could this happen to me? Oh, I always do everything wrong. Um, and I mean, I still have moments and, and days oh, that go through, right? But for the most part, over the course of, like I said, many years of a lot of crap, um, it's, it's come to my belief that, you know, nobody died. It's not the end of the world. Move on. I try I anyways. It, I try. <laughs> I don't know if it has um, to do with going through mental health issues. Like you have to be mentally strong in order to get through days otherwise you're just gonna fall apart that's what, what i do like if i right like little things like oh i'm stuck in traffic and yeah. mad at that guy who just cut and cut well and you know then i think well <laughs> good for him you know i'm, I'm gonna get to yeah. my destination hopefully yeah i know i always think when people cut me off in traffic i'm like man you're in a rush this is right like <laughs> if you need to cut me off then you clearly need to be there like um so anyways let's get back to to this earthquake so the earthquake happened how were you feeling afterwards like what i mean you said the whole that hotel that you were supposed to be at was totally collapsed so what else was happening like where you were specifically that's the funny thing is i didn't really know what was happening all the lights went off and it's weird you know the the movement of an earthquake is not something well i never really thought much about it before i was in it but it, the, the ground was kind of like, it wasn't buckling under me, but it was kind of rolling under me. It was the weirdest thing. And that um, 
and just, you know, darkness because everything, all the electricity went out and noise. There was so much noise because the town was um, mostly made out of adobe. So everything was collapsing. I mean, the, luckily we were in this one room that was made out of concrete. And then I didn't know where anybody was because everybody had rushed outside. So eventually somebody came and got us. And then we, 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 um, we actually spent a long time in a van because you feel like you want to be inside, like, like protected. So a bunch of us climbed into this van and then um, we were in there for a couple hours. And to this day, I cannot sit in the back seat of a van, like a third or fourth row. No, because I was so, stuck in there like a tuna was, for so was long. Was the earthquake like, did it take a long time to finish? Like, is that It was why three and a half minutes. Okay. So that's an eternity. <laughs> Seems yeah. like so short, but that's an eternity. Yeah, and then and then of course there are aftershocks that were also on the Richter scale, like six point five, five point nine. You know, so and and they were just and again like with earthquakes, there's no warning whatsoever. So you just sit there and you're like, oh my god, it's gonna happen again. Um, and and then we drove like the the, the uh, military came by and they're like, you know, you really can't be in this van because we were we didn't realize that we were under some electric lines oh okay then we drove to a um, stadium and it sounds so funny because when i told people this they were thinking about katrina because a lot of people were in stadiums oh, okay. during katrina but actually we were about like there were like two or three families in the stadium and we we're just kind of hanging out there it was a small town but over 500 people died and i didn't know that until afterwards yeah wow that's that's intense is what that is yeah. Yes. So, okay, you, you can't drive in the back of vans anymore because of what you experienced. Is there any other things that really changed for you that, that seem like a simple task, but now it's not because of this event? Mostly, I, no, I wouldn't say, but if I'm in a place where the ground is shaking, I get anxious. Um, even like on the second floor of a mall, sometimes for some reason, uh, at least the mall by me, sometimes the, the ground will shake and I gotta, I gotta get out, I gotta get out. Or like on a bridge, if a truck goes by, I have to just, I get all that like anxiety okay. and it comes back. Yeah. So what did you do after to try and help you deal with this intense situation that happened? Well, that's the funny thing. I started writing because I wasn't really a writer before that. Um, but when I came home, everybody was curious about what happened. And I was kind of at that point not wanting to talk about it. So I wrote down in detail everything that I went through and I just sent it out to everybody. Cause yeah. I was like, okay, here, don't ask me anymore. <laughs> yep. And then a lot of people started giving me very good feedback about my, my um, writing. So um, that was nice. So I tried to publish it and, you know, publishing world is very difficult and it was mm. still it was very difficult in 2007 so it never ended up getting it's self-published now in a in a non-fiction collection of women survivors of earthquakes but back then it, it was just really hard to get it published but then I started you know thinking well I've, I've always loved mystery stories that's kind of the genre that I read I know I should probably read something more in intellectual but um I decided <laughs> I decided to turn it into a mystery. So um, my book, uh, Tremor in the Hills, is loosely based on my experience in the earthquake. And the girl, the main character, 
does have PTSD from an earthquake, which yeah. is something that I also have. Interesting. So I do have a copy of, of Christina's book, and I will be eventually getting to it on the list of things to read. So, you know, if you have not followed my blog, make sure everybody follows it so that you can get the review once I write it. Um, and of course, get your hands on her book. Um, so let's talk about PTSD. How did you discover that you had that? Um, I, that's, that's a, so kind of a hard question to answer because the physical part of it was, you know, not being able to be anywhere near something that shakes, but there was a lot of emotional things too, because some of the people that I was with, I mean, all of the people I were with besides my children who were really young were Peruvians and they had been through earthquakes before. So a lot of them kind of treated me like I was overreacting yeah. and, and my, 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 trauma was ridiculous and so I struggled a lot with that and then the people that I came home to um, didn't understand either because they had never been through such a strong earthquake even people who have been through earthquakes in the U.S. they might have been in California maybe but they're not that strong usually um, so I don't think I've ever met anybody who's been through an earthquake as strong as the one I've been through except for the family that I was with um, yeah. And so I think the biggest part of my PTSD was not being believed that I had it and not wow. being able to deal with it with anyone else because nobody else felt the same way that I did. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things. And um, how do you get other people to believe you? Well, you don't. <laughs> and people might disagree with me, but you know what? If somebody doesn't want to believe that you have PTSD, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, that's their friggin' problem. That's that is true. not on you. It is not on you to prove your wellness or your diswellness to somebody else. If they it's, cannot support what you are saying, then maybe they just need to let the door hit them on the way out. Yeah, uh, yeah that happened. Yep. Like <laughs> Some that, of those people. Yeah, it, it's very real issue, I think, with a lot of us that have some kind of mental health trouble or even people that have illnesses that are you can't see, right? So um, what comes to mind, like fiber, I can't say it, fibromyalgia, right? You can't see it. And I know I know a couple of people that have it and they're like, oh yeah, that person did, and they'll tell me stories about that person didn't believe them or whatever. Well, you know what? That's on them. That is not your job to make them believe that you have something. Cause you know what, that's just more stress on you and you don't need that. So uh, yeah. let them hit, let the door hit them on the way out. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's a little harder with family members, but yes, some of them have been out. And uh, yeah, it's hard to forget. Mm -hmm. Especially with somebody who went through that exact experience with you and still don't believe that you have PTSD. They probably have their own, which they kind of buried. Yeah, or like buried you said, deep. if it's, if they've lived there, yeah. it, it's just part of their life, right? And I get that a lot um, said to me about, like uh, we were talking about meltdowns and stuff. I a little bit mentioned it. And people who don't have a child that has autism or who has had meltdowns, they're like, they minimize what it is that I'm saying because they can't believe that that would happen. They just, whatever. 
But for me, it's like a big deal, like a big deal. <laughs> That's an awful, I know. It's it's terrible that people do that. They They need to put themselves into other people's shoes more often. It's just... And everybody has different coping skills. And that's why, you know, this show is great. We talk about so many different coping skills and we all have different, what's the word I'm looking for? Like different resiliency levels for different situations. So just because one person's like, oh yeah, it's not a big deal. Doesn't mean that it's not affecting somebody else. You cannot make that determination for another person. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I, I, I heard that so much from one specific person. Oh, that wasn't a big deal. Oh, it was okay. Nothing happened. I mean, 500 people died. Of course something happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... not, not only did 500 people die, it was your first real earthquake and the hotel you were supposed, like where you were supposed to be at that time is gone. Yes. Like, yeah. That's and, devastating. I mean, yes. And the uh, restaurant that we had eaten in two hours before was inundated with water for with a tsunami a mini tsunami i mean there was a place where we had gone it was a tourist area where the earth cracked we could have fallen in if we had been there when the earthquake happened i mean so many ways that we could have been in the wrong place at the wrong time exactly and oh. so yeah don't minimize other people's struggles or what they're feeling or thinking that that's not up to you to determine how someone else is feeling mind your own feelings yes exactly and i think i think one of my biggest struggles is not being seen or heard and i know you you were interested in the cutting that was um yeah so i've ever seen talk about that yeah i know i've had a few people who watch the show and uh they've made private comments to me about what they're dealing with. And I said, you know, what? I'm gonna find a guest and we're gonna talk about it openly and honest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't mind at all. I was 12, so it was a long time ago. And I, that was, you know, you didn't talk about mental health back then. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and I don't think I had ever heard of cutting, but it was kind of an instinctual thing. I wanted to feel the pain that I was feeling mentally, I think. Mm -hmm. That was a big, I, and I mean, I didn't think that way at the time. Yeah. I didn't think at all. I just took a knife and I started cutting my wrist. Um, and it wasn't like a huge cut. It was just like gradual, but it built yeah. up over time. And I think I, I wanted, I was interested to see whether my parents would notice or my brother would notice or anybody would notice, teachers, nobody noticed. And did nobody notice because you were hiding it whether it was consciously or subconsciously or no i didn't hide it i had these wounds on my wrists and i never bothered to hide it it's just that nobody noticed and that was or they didn't say they noticed or they didn't say they noticed because that's yeah. a whole other other thing like i mean i'm not a very perceptive person i've been told this and so i might not have noticed but you said it before we didn't talk about mental health so maybe it was noticed but in your situation back then it wasn't talked about so even if somebody noticed it was like nope that's true well you would think a parent would say something you would hope and but I, again a lot of people like i know my mom's generation my grandma's generation you didn't talk about it that's true and i didn't even have the vocabulary to talk about it like why was i doing this why what what's happening in my own mind well how could you have the vocabulary to talk about it when it wasn't a topic that was talked about yes exactly 
So and, and it, yeah, no, go. And it, it was actually only after you mentioned that you were interested in talking about it that I thought, started thinking like, why, why did I do that? And it did occur to me that, I mean, I was going through a lot, a lot of things, but I feel like um, it, it was a physical manifestation. Like you feel all these things, these, this pain mentally, um, nobody sees it. You don't know how to deal with it. So you, you do something physically painful, maybe to relieve the mental pain or maybe to, yeah, to get it out somehow. Yeah. Didn't help, but. <laughs> well, yeah, cutting is bad. I want everybody to yes. hear that. It is bad. We don't want to do that. Um, so how long did you do it for? It was probably a year and I still have the scars. And it's yeah. so funny because I was 12. So my scar is down further than where my wrist is. <laughs> oh, because you grow, you know. I grow a little. Yeah. And okay, so uh, why did you stop? Was there something that happened? Did you... I mean, it almost sounded random that you started doing it. I'm sure that it wasn't random. It was more it, to it. That's actually a very good question. Why did I stop? Um, I got a little busier doing other damaging things. <laughs> Such so, as in our open and honest conversation. <laughs> so, um, so that happened when I was 12. When I was like 13, 14, I started having boyfriends and not and not re respectful, good people. So some abusive, toxic relationships, some abusive, thinking? toxic relationships. And that kept me pretty mentally unstable. So I didn't have to cut myself. You didn't need to cut yourself because other people were hurting you for you. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting one. Like connecting things that I never connected before. Right? And, well, I sort of understand that one. I sort of went through a little bit of that myself. <laughs> Not the cutting part, but the, this is what I know. This is what I think I deserve. So this is yes. the, the people I'm choosing to surround myself with. And I think that's a big thing is we don't even necessarily consciously think about, okay, I am going to date this person or I'm going to be friends with this person because I deserve to be hit or yelled at or whatever is happening. But it could be on a subconscious level. That's usually where it is it's on a subconscious level of, well, I don't deserve anything better. So I'm just going to, this is the person I'm going to pick. Now, not in every situation, do not get me wrong, guys, but personal experience, right? That's who some people will choose based on this unconscious kind of, I don't deserve anything better. So yep. well, I believe completely that that's how I chose my relationships. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So you stop cutting, you turned from one bad, bad coping strategy to another bad coping strategy because that's what they are they're coping strategies not ones that we suggest using <laughs> how did you finally get rid of that bad coping strategy i'm not sure if i am rid of that coping strategy i'm recently divorced <laughs> was your now this might be too too fresh or whatever so you can tell me to shut up but was when you were married was it a toxic abusive relationship yes, yes. so well, maybe if we, if we want to get candid, I mean, yeah, um, the, my ex-husband is one of the people, the, the main person who kind of disregarded my feelings about the earthquake because he was there. He was there. My two children were there. Yeah. He left. He did not support me whatsoever during that. So we were together in the living room. He disappeared 
when the lights went out and I didn't see him until somebody else came and got me and brought me outside. Um, and then I asked, I asked my ex-husband, like, why, why didn't you come and get me? And he said, oh, I was on my way in, but you know, that's bogus because I saw like that this other person came and got me and he was, anyway, so, and during that whole night where aftershocks were going on, not once did he come and hug me or ask me how I was not once. And then later on, you know, years, because years go by and he would always say that was, it was no big deal. I don't know why you're reacting this way. Things like that. So yeah, I mean, you know, it happened a long time ago, but I still cannot forgive that <laughs> from him. And, uh, and yeah, I do feel like that's a, a relationship where I accepted somebody who was not completely good for me. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, such a, and this might come out wrong, but if I ramble long enough, you'll understand. Um, and that's almost a situation where it's not a big deal, right? Like it's just, and we only have this one little snippet to go by. It's, well, he, he just didn't hug you because maybe he was dealing with his own trauma from, from the earthquake, you know, it's not a huge deal, but you know what? As like, I've been married nine years and like I said, we've been through a lot of crazy intense things we always made sure even if we were even if we were kind of fighting with each other we always made sure to give that support because of the situation that we were in whether you know like i said we might be going well this is just and i don't but i'm still gonna hug you right now because i think we need to give each other a hug i need somebody like that <laughs> yeah uh we have a very strange and unique relationship i've been told oh. that's not strange or unique that should be everyone <laughs> yes yeah so i mean it you maybe need to this is just random you maybe need to just like focus on you and what you need right like oh. we accept people into our lives sometimes pretty easily and again i'm saying we because i am included in this and i've made poor decisions with uh mostly friends I'm going to say it, not as much with the boyfriend side as the friend side. Um, but we accept people into our lives that looking back on, on some of the friendships I've had, I go, how was I friends with you for so long? Like we were not, we were not compatible as friends. We, I always know, knew that I felt belittled, but, and I always felt like, you know, I was just that alternative person because, you know, these better people weren't available to to hang out with yeah, so oh, here, you can be here that is not how we need to think of ourselves but no. it's a process it's a big process it is and you're right and now i'm i'm in a position where i gotta think about myself because i'm the only one around <laughs> <laughs> you and snoopy i say snoopy for those oh, yeah, who are listening no, snoopy. Snoopy in the background there there's my Perfect. little stuffed black lab because i don't have Aww. my i don't have a real one yet yeah yeah so what are some of the coping strategies that you have learned over the years to help you to deal with some of these extreme emotions? Um, gosh, there's. I'll give um, you the first easy one. Writing. Yes, that. Yes, I definitely started writing to cope with what happened in the earthquake. Absolutely. Um, that's probably the major one. Mm -hmm. 
as far as other coping strategies, I know last year with 2020, I, I leaned heavily on my friends and I have some really good friends that I'm very grateful for. Um, they, they took on a lot and I'll never forget how supportive they were, they are. Um, actually moved from Chicago to Florida, so I'm not with my friends right now. Um, and so I'm trying to find some coping strategy for that because yeah, I miss my friends a lot, but definitely um, it's wonderful to have people that are supportive. So writing and friends, those are my two coping strategies. And those are great coping admit, strategies. I just have to admit candidly that I drank a little more wine than I should in 2020. <laughs> well, as long as it was just in 2020, because we do not condone drinking as a coping strategy. That Absolutely is- not. Yes. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's not what I'm doing now. No. Good. Um, so where can people get a hold of this book that you were telling us about and your soon-to-be next book? On Amazon. It's called Tremor in the Hills. And I also have my Instagram if anybody wants to follow me. It's Christina underscore Mata underscore K. So where's the K um, come from? It's it's you know what? There was already a Christina Mata, so K is my is the first initial of my maiden name. Um, so that's that. <laughs> I'm just nosy. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good question. I think yeah. I have to be nosy in order to, you know, have these conversations. Absolutely. You do. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that is a good, probably a lot of people ask that question. Just kind of random. Yeah. Apart from the other people. Um, so you're going to pick up Christina's book on Amazon and you're going to follow her on Instagram anywhere else that people can find you. I have a blog where you can actually see pictures of the earthquake, of what happened at, of the uh, after effects of the earthquake. You can also see pictures of three years later, which um, I did a lot of writing on be- because I did go back. Uh, and so my blog is tremorinthehills.com. Awesome. So I definitely think people should go check that out because I mean, pictures are, pictures are a thousand words. Isn't that what they say? Um, excellent. So uh, thank you again so much for being on the show, speaking so openly about it. And actually curiosity just struck me for a quick second. It, and I know you said that nobody really noticed that you were cutting or anything. At any time, did somebody notice, like even friends? No. Nobody ever, ever. Actually, you are only the second person I've ever told that I did this. Yeah. I told a really good friend who actually stopped being a friend. But anyway, you're the second person. And no, nobody ever, ever, ever mentioned anything about it. No. Wow. That's so bizarre to me that you can be doing something so destructive to yourself and just nobody is noticing, especially if you're not hiding it, right? Like sometimes people will will wear like the long sleeves or whatever to hide stuff. but if you're not even trying to hide it and nobody's- It was bizarre to me too, because I think I was trying to get attention and the fact that I didn't get any created a whole lot of other mental issues. <laughs> yeah. And I'm laughing because that's also a coping strategy. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's what I assume. That's why, you know, it's your, it's your life to laugh at if that's a way of dealing with it. I definitely oh, yeah. laugh at myself sometimes. Um, a lot of jokes. Yeah. I mean, not, not necessarily about myself, but yeah, I joke. And I think that's like a way of like putting everything there, over there. Yeah, yeah. you got to make it. Sometimes you got to make that little bit of distance between yourself and, and the trauma in order to 
deal with the everyday, you know, work and life and that stuff. Darn work. Oh, wait, this is my job. I love it. <laughs> Um, so thank you so much everybody make sure you pick up her book and check out the blog thank you so much thank you you're wonderful thank you so much so again thank you christina for being on the show check out her links down in the description below pick up a copy of her book and keep your eyes open for when i get a chance to review her book on my blog if you want to support the show you can do so by purchasing something from our merch store we got some awesome designs make great gifts um, 10% of the proceeds will go back to the Canadian Mental Health Association. As well, we do have a Patreon page where you can support for as little as a coffee a month. I don't know. I don't drink coffee. I assume it's around that price. <laughs> and again, of course, remember that the only way to end the stigma of mental health is to speak openly and honestly.